Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. In other words, I think you made a mistake in me for someone else, Lord. Right? I am not crushed. Right? I will not be shaken about. I am Peter. I'm as solid as a rock. Right? I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. I appreciate your prayers, but they're unnecessary. I don't need prayers protection. I'm ready for whatever will come. And Peter really thought he was, right? That's why later on when he's in the garden, what does he do? Jesus says, watch and pray, and what does he do? Fall asleep. I got discovered. In his mind, prayer was appreciated, but it wasn't necessary. He could be ready and handle whatever the day brought him apart from prayer. He did not need prayer's protection, Peter thought. To which Jesus says in verse 34, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. In other words, Jesus turns to Peter who's saying, man, I'll stand with you in life and in death. And Jesus says, I give you three to four hours, Peter, and you'll be cowering before a servant girl. So much like us, right? Come to church, we can sing songs like, If ever I loved you, oh Jesus, tis now. And then you scream at your kids as you're going out the door, right? I'll give you three to four hours, Peter. What was Jesus showing Peter in this moment? He was showing him this. No, Peter, you do need my prayers. And you do need to watch and pray. And so I'm going to have you fail, Jesus is telling him. I'm going to have you fail miserably just so that you will learn this lesson, that you will be humbled and you will learn to pray. See, that's the purpose behind what Peter is about to experience, isn't it? It's, it's to humble him in order so that he might rely on God alone. Before his failure, Peter in his pride was not relying on God, was he? Despite Jesus' warning, Peter believed that he was ready. That he didn't need prayer's protection. And when Jesus warns him later to rely on God, to pray that you might not enter into temptation, Peter doesn't listen. He falls asleep because he didn't think he needs prayer's protection. But after his, after his failure, Peter humbly learned to rely on God, didn't he? He learned his lesson and therefore could strengthen others in their need to rely on God. That's why Peter, this gentleman, writes later in 1 Peter 5, verses 6-11, through 11, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you for you be sober-minded be watchful your adversary the devil prowls prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour resist him firm in that faith that is not peter speaking theologically that is peter speaking experientially you need to cast your cares on the lord because the devil is out there and he is seeking someone to devour peter felt that he experienced it he lived it Peter learned that through his failure, he learned to rely on God and could now, through his failure, strengthen others in that same task and call on them to keep prayer's protection as Jesus had warned him. Well, what we see next in the next paragraph is that this lesson is something that all the disciples needed to learn. And so in verse 35, Jesus turns to the rest of the disciples and he says this in verse 35, he says, and he said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They answered, nothing. 
Right? That's exactly what Jesus did earlier in his ministry back in Luke 9, 1 through 5. He sent the 12 out. And it says in Luke 9, verse 3, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have even two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. In other words, Jesus was making the point back there that even though there may be some who reject you, most will welcome you. They'll give you what you need as you go out and proclaim the message, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. He said that same thing in the next chapter to the 70 when he sends them out two by two. He says in Luke 10, verse 4, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, greet no one on the road. And then Jesus proceeds to say a pretty similar thing. If you find someone who welcomes you, stay at their house. Uh, don't leave. Don't go from house to house. If they turn you down, just keep on going because you're going to find someone who will welcome you. So that's the way it used to be, right? The disciples used to minister throughout Israel. They were able to travel freely, and they were welcomed, accepted, and provided for along the way. That's the way it used to be. Verse 36, he said to them, but now, see times have changed, but now let the one who has money bag has a money bag, take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. In other words, times have changed. The world won't welcome, support, or protect you in your preaching of the gospel anymore. That is not the ministry you were called to. Having rejected me, which they were going to do the next day, they are going to reject you also. And from now on, Jesus is making the point, you will be in need of support, provision, and protection. Now, there's a lot of other things that could be said there about what Jesus mentions, but I don't want you to miss the forest for the trees. Jesus is not talking about, make sure you take care of yourself physically, right? Rely on all these physical things as if we needed help being more physically minded. Jesus is preaching and teaching a spiritual lesson here. And that is this. The world is going to hate you. The world is not going to provide or protect or defend you, believer. The world's going to attack you. It's going to be hostile to you. If you're going to follow me, you have to understand that is a basic truth you have to embrace. And so if you have a bag for money, Jesus says, take it. If you have a bag for supplies and for food, take that too. And if you don't have a sword, sell your auto cloak and get one because you're going to be ministering in a hostile, hostile world. That's Jesus' point. And was Jesus' prediction accurate? Is that the type of world that the apostles and we have been living in? Yes. I don't see the secular world giving money in support of foreign missions, do you? When's Bill Gates going to give his money towards that? Right? I don't see the unbelieving world giving supplies to churches to advance the Great Commission, do you? I don't see nations of this world rising up to protect the persecuted believers being slaughtered around the globe, do you? And that's Jesus' point. The world is not going to provide for you, and the world won't protect you, and don't expect it to. We should not expect the world to do this for us, believer. Can you believe that the Supreme Court ruled that way? What did you think the Supreme Court was going to do? Can you believe that they told their employees not to say Merry Christmas? What did you think the world was going to say? Can you believe that they passed that law that singles out churches? What did you think they were going to pass? Do you honestly believe that the world is going to provide and protect for you, protect you, believer? Look at the words of Christ. 
Look at the words of Christ. This world won't provide for or protect you. Why? Verse 37. Jesus says, For I tell you that this Scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what has been written, what is written about me has its fulfillment. Now, beyond just the awesome fact that he's referring to Isaiah there in Isaiah 53 and saying, that's about me. Um, beyond that, what is Jesus saying there? He's saying the world is going to hate you, believer. Why? Because the world hates me. The Jewish nation under the leaders took a careful look at Christ, didn't he? I mean, he openly ministered for three and a half years. The conclusion at the end of it all is, let's treat Jesus like a criminal. Let's hang him between two criminals and call him a criminal. This is astonishing. He who was morally without blemish and without spot, according to 1 Peter 1.19, who is holy and separated from sinners, according to Hebrews 7.26, against someone that they could not even bring a single accusation. This righteous Jesus is going to be unjustly accused and abused and assaulted as a transgressor. And the implication is clear. If this is how Christ was treated by the world, hated without a cause... How do you think the world is going to treat you as you follow Him? For what is written about me, Jesus says, has its fulfillment. It has its full expression. And that's exactly what Jesus says in John 15, verse 20. He says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. For the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. So that's Jesus' point. You're going to be living for Him in a hostile world. You're going to be living like lambs in the midst of wolves. You'll be in constant danger or constant need of provision and protection. Right? And in fact, Jesus put this before the disciples before they ever started following Him. He said, are you willing to take up your cross daily and follow Me? You'll be in constant need of provision and protection as you follow Christ. So where should we turn ultimately for this provision and protection in the midst of this world as Christians? Having lived without money sacks, having lived without knapsacks, having lived without swords, are we now to rely on money sacks, on knapsacks and swords now that we have them? That's what the disciples thought because look at what they say in verse 38. And by the way, this is what we often think about as well. And they said, look Lord, Here are two swords. In other words, okay, God, well, we're 11 guys and we got two swords. Is that enough? Right? (laughs) Sure that's enough? And Jesus says, well, yeah, because you're just awesome sword fighters, right? Is that what he says? No. Jesus replies, it is enough. Those are all the swords you're going to need because ultimately your provision and protection doesn't depend on what? swords it depends on me right it depends on christ and he who took care of every one of their needs before when they had none of those things will now take care of every one of those needs even while they have those things how are they going to take how is he going to take care of them jesus tells us in john 14 12 through 14 in the context of this same upper room discussion lord are we going to be okay we've only got two swords jesus says in that 
in that discussion, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. In other words, Jesus told his disciples in the upper room, you're not going to become weaker when I'm gone. You're going to become stronger. You're going to see the power of God working through you more than you've ever seen before. You ask, how is that going to happen? Verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So you ask, how are we going to be able to do greater works? Because Christ is going to be doing them when we ask him to do them in his name. When we ask in accordance to Christ's person and Christ's purpose, Christ will do it by his power. We as Christians are, to be able to, are going to be able to do greater things now that Christ is gone because now we have access to all His presence in the Holy Spirit and all His power in prayer. So what is the greatest means that Christ has given us for our provision and our protection? It's my vote! Right? It's my gun! It's my rights! It's none of those things. It's the throne. The throne of God. It's not a sword, but it's prayer. It's prayer. It is by prayer that we're to receive our provisions. Give us this day our what? Daily bread. It is by prayer that we are to receive our protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? The greatest means Christ has given us for our protection and provision is not a sword. It is prayer. And that is why later on in this chapter, in the very next passage, when they are all alone in the garden, Jesus doesn't say, rise and do some sword drills. (laughs) He says, rise and pray. Why? Because prayer is the greatest means God has given us for our protection and provision. It's not to lay our hands upon the hilt of a sword. It is to lay our hands upon the throne of the Lord. And if you do that, it doesn't matter if you've got one sword, two swords, three swords, or no swords. (laughs) If you've got access to Christ in prayer, you have got enough. Enough for daily provisions, enough for daily protection, and enough for daily triumph. As Jesus said later in John 16, 33, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we're reminded from this passage this evening to not be deceived. The world will not provide for us. The world will not protect us. In fact, the world will actively hate us on account of Christ's name. But that's okay because in Christ we have enough. We have enough to carry on his mission. We have enough to keep on loving a lost and dying world. We have enough for daily provisions and daily protections. In Christ we have enough through prayer. So keep prayer's protection. This week, I have a closing question for you. What are you going to lay your hands on for your daily provision and for your daily protection? Is it going to be your own strength? Your own sense of ability and worth like Peter did? I'm ready, Lord. Thursday morning, you wake up. I don't need to pray. I got this covered. Or will you lay your hand on Christ through prayer? What will you lay your hands on for daily provision and protection? Will it be your own bank account or income? Money bag? Will it be your own pantry or full refrigerator, right? Knapsack? Will it be your own security measures or your firearms? Sword? Like the disciples? Or will you lay our hands on Christ in prayer? This week, 
Let's keep prayers protection. And let's finish the rest of this week out strong on our knees before the throne of grace, receiving from Christ all the provision and protection we need in life. So with that in mind, let's continue to do that even as a church.